Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellas Podcast. My name is Carlos. And my name is Ozzy. In this episode, we are going to be joined by a very special guest and talking about This Week in TV. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ozzy, how are you doing? Well, I, I could be doing better. I'm a little under the weather because I'm sick, unfortunately. But um, other than that, I'm alright. How are you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Powering through uh, for the pod. But I'm very excited because today we've got a very special guest. We are joined today by John Bailey, who you probably most likely know him from The Honest Trailers. He is the epic voice behind The Honest Trailers. John, how are you doing? What's up, guys? Dang, man. I can't believe we even have you on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, John, we, we just wanted to talk to you um, because, obviously, you know, we're huge fans of Honest Trailers. I mean, who isn't really these days? It's one of the most popular things on YouTube. Um, and just, I'm, I'm constantly find myself, I constantly you find mean, myself. You mean besides people? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's almost as popular as putting dead bodies from suicide. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I also con- constantly find myself fascinated by um, just voiceover work. Uh, it's, it's one of the I think more underappreciated, under talked about things in just the entertainment industry. So uh, I would love to talk to you about that as well. But I kind of do want to start yeah, with sure. the honest trailer stuff. Um, when did you kind of get involved with Screen Junkies and with Honest Trailers? Like, how long have you been doing that now for them? It was, uh, they contacted me after their first voice. Well, I'll take that, but I'll try to do this concisely as possible. <laughs> um, they had one guy do the, they had one guy do the very first one, uh, him I don't know. Mm-hmm. They had uh, one other guy do all of them except for Avatar. Uh, I think they hired some pro that was just like, he just didn't, he was a good movie trailer voice, but he was like too serious or too mm-hmm. professional or I don't know. Anyways. Um, and then there, the guy that did the, the majority of the other ones, I think he did like 12. Uh, he was called back in the active military service. So oh, he wow. couldn't do it any longer. And they found a YouTube video that I had put out in 2007 or eight. And I did various movie trailer voices. And then when they went, they clicked on my website from the description. Yeah, because people don't, people do that, believe it or not. People actually do look at the description so they don't know that I'm not the one who makes it all. They just, you know, a lot of people are just too lazy and just assume that I do everything. It's just a voice job, but they don't get that. (laughs) Um, So they clicked the description and went to my site. And they're like, well, this guy's booked like a a whole bunch of movie trailers. He's like a legit movie trailer voice guy, which is what I had been doing for at least a year at the Mm -hmm. time. And uh, they're like, hey, we're we're screen junkies. And have you ever heard of Honest Trailers? I'm like, no. <laughs> they were like, uh, well, check out these check out these links and let us know if you'd be interested in doing something like this. Our other guy can't do it anymore. So I clicked on it, and I remember thinking that the writing was really was really solid. I kind of got the idea that they're going for. And uh, so I was like, uh, they're like, well, what, what can we do? We, we I said, uh, well, I'm in SAG and. He's like, what's what's SAG great? Because we've been thinking about going SAG. I'm like, it's like eight hundred something dollars. Like, no, we can't do SAG. <laughs> so he's like, what if what if we what if we just help you with your YouTube channel, which is what the promise was always supposed to be, was they get more subscribers and more viewers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, which they it never really launched my personal channel, but it did get help me get some traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just kind of a, a trade a trade of services for from the beginning. But uh, my first one was uh, at the end of 2012 with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And the first one, the biggest complaint they got was that uh, it sounded too good. <laughs> <laughs> and then after I read the comments, I'm like, oh, I get it. They don't want it to sound good. They want me to make fun of myself in my regular career, basically. So it's kind of a parody version of what I really do when I do movie trailer mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's basically how I got involved. And that's then cool. uh, since then, they've added a whole bunch of other things like honest action and honest commentary. Mm-hmm. Honest teasers or honest, yeah, honest, honest teasers, mm-hmm. or I forget if they call it previews or teasers, and uh, honest game trailers. So all in all, I don't even I've lost count. I think there's like five hundred something videos now. Wow, that's a lot of work. <laughs> hey, um, 
Now, they obviously, like, they'll send you those scripts and everything that they want you to read. Um, do you, like... Has... Well, they used to. Oh, they don't anymore? No, after they got uh, nominated for an Emmy, I don't know if it kind of... They were just nervous that they would do a bad job and or if it was because they thought they were too good to not to do it on, for me to do it on a supervisor anymore. I don't know what happened, but anyway, mm-hmm. they up and decided that they have to direct every single session at that point. Oh, <laughs> really? Uh, which I don't, I, I don't mind. I mean, it just, it, for me, when I record it on my own, it goes way much, uh, way faster. But like mm-hmm. with Honest Game Trailers, I literally record on my own. They send me a couple of pickup lines and we're done we, and knock the whole thing out, including pickups. We can knock the whole thing out in 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. When you do direct it, obviously, there's a lot of back and forth and there's a lot of, uh, let's try this. Let's try that. Or add a line that wasn't written down, or I'll have an improv that I'll add in, or whatever. So it mm-hmm. ends up taking like thirty plus minutes uh, per session. So, um, but I mean, still, it's only thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, a few times a week, and then they dump other stuff on me. They have me do sound likes for some of their other videos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just whatever voice stuff that they've got. Awesome. Awesome. So, the, it, so you do improvise on some of the honest trailers. No, I improvise on all of them. They just didn't always make it in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. you know they're they're Emmy nominated they're Emmy nominated writers. I mean, you know what what good are my improvs? They don't. It helped us get a, get an Emmy nod, but you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <laughs> for that Emmy nominated writing, um, is has have there ever been moments where you read something that you're supposed to say and you literally just start laughing? That only happened once with the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer uh, <laughs> because line? I didn't have a chance to read it ahead of time. Um, well, they were talking about the fact that she didn't know what a butt plug was, <laughs> and it's pretty obvious what a butt plug is based on the name alone. And they transitioned, speaking of buttholes, and they started talking about Christian. I just, that line, speaking of buttholes, threw me because <laughs> I hadn't read it ahead of time, and I just, for some reason, I couldn't. I couldn't get myself back together. Most of the time, it doesn't bother me though. Usually, yeah. I just I'll roll right through it or whatever, awesome. and I'll throw in whatever improvs are if it's something funny or a different type of read i think that might they might use but yeah they they don't use it very often more so in game trailers than in mm-hmm. movie trailers that they use my improv stuff yeah uh do you ever get kind of recognized by screen junkies fans or honest trailers fans and do they always want to yeah, talk I get about recognized movies for and fans stuff? for I get recognized by fans from lots of different things since mm-hmm. my career has expanded to yeah. Um, you know, games and sound alikes, and I have my own channel, and I still I still have fans for my old school Transformers videos back in 2010. Wow. So I mean, a little there's there's people out there who know me for a little bit of everything. You know, not not one specific thing, but yeah, no, they usually don't want to talk about movies. They usually just want to say hi and ask me to say something, mm-hmm. or get a picture or whatever. That's, oh, that's cool. Oh, uh, when when did you realize that you could like because you've done you do impressions and things like that and you you I mean everyone kind of we assume that like your voice uh, it, you do you do that epic voice right but you obviously can do a lot more with your voice when did you discover that you can do all this stuff with your voice and that you had this kind of when I was range? four years old my uh, my mom I, I was a very competitive kid I was not a I was not a good loser I was a very poor loser mm-hmm. and my mom was was bragging about how well she could do Grover's voice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I bet I can do it better. And then she was like, I bet I, I can do Yoda's voice too. And I'm like, well, Yoda's voice is just Grover's voice. So it became kind of, uh, I can show my mom that I can do better than she can kind of thing. And it mm-hmm. kind of went from there. But back then, all, we didn't even have a TV when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. We didn't have a TV till I think I was like eight or nine by the time we got a television. Yeah. So the only television that I, I was around was my grandmother's television mm-hmm. when we would visit sometimes, like every other weekend or whatever. And uh, PBS was the only thing that had any kind of kids shows on it. So I started off imitating Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 80s, uh, I got hooked on Transformers, started doing Optimus Prime's voice when I was like five, six years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, got uh, I used to watch it at my my uh, piano lessons because we didn't have a TV at home. Or <laughs> I would bike, I'd bike to the Kmart down the street and watch their TV section and put it on Transformers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I hooked on cartoons at an early age. I started imitating things. Uh, I didn't start doing the movie trailer voice until I was about thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. My uh, my brother heard Paolo Francisco's stand up routine with the, the little tortilla boy. Yeah. If you haven't <laughs> heard of it, you can look it up on YouTube. It's pretty funny. Um, and he was like, "I bet you could do a better job of this." And then I started looking into like who he, who he was trying to do an impression of. And then I found out who Don LaFontaine was, and I started doing my research and figured out all the different movie trailer voices. 
I found the five guys and limo voices also. It, it's worth a Google. You should look it up. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, so yeah, I just started figuring, and I realized that Paulo Francisco was kind of combining uh, two of the two of the most legendary voice guys in the, in, in the movie trailer business was Donald Fontaine and Hal Hal Douglas, both of, both of which is sadly passed away now. Wow. Um, but he, uh, so Hal Douglas, you would recognize him from more family friendly rom com type stuff. He was the um, I think one of the last ones he did was uh, the Odd Life of Timothy Green was like one of the last ones he mm-hmm. did. Whereas Don has that more hard edge, you know, Terminator Two, Salvation Day, and yeah. Paolo Francisco like merged those two together to get the little tortilla boy, and it was like, oh, they he just kind of merged those two guys together. And at that point, I started realizing how to like uh, uh, disassemble a voice and put it back together, you know, mm-hmm. reverse engineer things, which has really helped in my my career of ADR, which is doing sound effects for for actors. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Um, I got into games in 2013, 14, something like that. And then uh, ADR around the same time. But my my career just kind of blew up around 2014 or 2015. 2015, it just kind of just went way beyond what, what I was just doing. A handful of trailers that were getting the bills paid. Mm-hmm. Um, I never meant to – I never knew this was going to be a full-time career. It just kind of happened that way. My My previous job was a forklift job. And uh, and I was a uh, manager at Chick Fil A, and then uh, after Chick Fil A kind of fell apart, I went on to uh, my my last forklift job, and uh, the economy cl- uh, collapsed, and they left us with a little bit of severance money and some unemployment money, and my wife had uh, had convinced me, uh, not too too much earlier than that, or it was like right before I lost my job because I went bankrupt. Um, she was like uh, doing a MySpace page for me while I was at work. And I was like, oh, social media is so stupid. Nobody's ever going to do that. It's going to fail. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But she back then we didn't have a pop-up blocker. And one of the ads that was a pop-up was this one for a national uh, a recording studio called Studio Center, which is kind of – kind of half agency, half production company. Mm-hmm. And they really pushed their, their non-union talent. They were like, hey, we, we represent over 500 talents. Wouldn't you like to be a voice actor? And my wife's like, oh, look, you could do that. And I'm like, eh, stupid. That was, that's never, that was never a real thing. She's like, but you're so good at it. I'm like, it's fine. It's not, it's not to be a, a job that people like me don't get jobs like that. And she's like, look, they have, a, they have a location in Memphis. You should definitely try out. I'm like, really? And so I called them and asked them about it, and they were like, uh, "Yeah, if you're if you live within driving distance of our Memphis location, yeah, sure, come on, try it out." And I was still kind of like, "Yeah, this is stupid. Like, this is never gonna happen." My wife's like, "The worst I could do is say no. What do you got to lose? It's like 15 minutes of driving." And I'm like, "Huh, that's like the best advice ever. Oh my god, <laughs> at least I can sleep at night knowing I gave it a shot." Yeah. So uh, I went in around November um, of that year. I think it was 2000, end of 2009. I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read the night before Christmas because it was so close to Christmas time, and I did a different voice for each page just to just to say, show them what I could do. Mm-hmm. And it blew them away. They were like, "Dude, can you come back?" And like, we don't even have enough scripts that would even show off all the stuff that you can do. I was like, "Well, I can write some of my own stuff." And one of the scripts that I wrote myself for my own demo, which they produced, um, got me my first voice, my, my first professional voiceover gig for a, a restaurant called Steakhouse. Uh, no, not it's called. I call it something steakhouse, Texas Steakhouse, mm-hmm. and it was on the it's on the East Coast, and it was a it was a regional chain. So I, I booked like a half dozen commercials, like half half of those were TV, half of them were radio, and I came away with a what I thought was a huge check. I mean, nowadays knowing what union rates are, I know I was getting robbed, but for me <laughs> making three hundred bucks a week and driving a forklift, it was a huge check for me. It was like mm-hmm. almost twelve hundred bucks. And I was like, holy cow, I didn't know you could make this kind of money from this job. <laughs> so while my company was afloat, I would work forklift at night and I would do auditions during the day. And I'd book like one to three a month. I thought that was terrible. And the producer was like, dude, I've got guys that have been here five years and never booked a single job. You're doing fine. <laughs> and then when uh, the company collapsed, my wife was like, why don't we try it full time and see what happens? So we kind of lived paycheck to paycheck. And then I did as many auditions as I could get. I found pay-to-play sites like Voices.com and Voice123 just everything I could do at the same time, I was still putting content on my YouTube channel and the same video that uh, screen Doggies found 
this is the same one my manager found originally. And he was, uh, he was looking for talent after Don LaFontaine passed away. And mm-hmm. he's like, this guy actually knows who these, these guys are. And he, he sounds like most of them. So he contacted me, sent me some scripts to try out on. I ended up booking three out of four and their wow. booking manager said, nobody's ever booked that many on their first try before. And that was really awesome. And then I got into trailers first after I'd already done some commercial work for a studio center. So I was doing commercials and, uh, and trailers at the time. And then I left Studio Center to because the trailer thing was paying better, and he got me into SAG like almost right away. Uh, I qualified for SAG insurance within the first year of being with with my first manager, and I didn't even know that was a big deal. Like you have to make like thirty or forty grand a year just in voiceover just to qualify for SAG insurance. So I was like, I guess I'm doing pretty good. I didn't have anybody to ask or look up. I didn't have a way to say, is this normal? Is this how everybody gets into this job? I just didn't <laughs> fine by the seat of my pants. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, um, and then when the when the company went bankrupt and I lost my, lost my forklift job, it was like, well, I guess we can just try this thing full time and see what happens. And the next thing you know, it's like uh, between I mean, it, we, we struggled the first few years. Um, it was I'll be honest, it wasn't it wasn't like an immediate like we were making as much money as we were at my old job. I think my old job paid like thirty three thousand a year or something like that. And I thought that was pretty good. And uh, so we struggled a bit. We had to do some title loans and some cash advances for a while. But after the first few years, real things really picked up, and I was able to uh, to literally make it uh, off of voiceover alone. And uh, so from then, uh, it kind of went just big break after big break after big break. And now, you know, Paramount's booking me to do Optimus Prime for him, and without That's me awesome. having to audition for it, <laughs> and you know, doing all kinds of cool stuff. I get the guys that are doing. You know, anime and and uh, and all these Capcom Marvel type games and stuff. They like I made a good impression on them. Now they're getting me booked on different cool stuff I can't even talk about yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I think maybe maybe I can make it on this. <laughs> I think I'm going the right direction. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good, man. I mean, what would you say is your favorite voice that you do? Optimus Prime's always been my favorite to do ever since I was like five years old. So that was just, I don't know why that voice appealed to me. In fact, he's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do trailers too, because I used to, if you remember it all, if your listeners or if you guys remember it all from the eighties, Peter Cullen used to do movie trailers back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was that he was one of the, there's, there's a very small group of, of movie trailer guys, of quote unquote, epic voice guys that also are in the animation business. There's Jim Cummings, there's Corey Burton, David Kay, Peter Cohen. And it's like, they're, they're in that. I feel like, I feel like that's a more, a more elite group than just movie trailer voice. Like mm-hmm. these guys are doing, they're living the dream. They're doing trailers and stuff and they're doing promos and they're doing commercials. And they're also very well established animation voice actors. And I'm like, that's just, that would be the, the bomb for me. That would be my dream come true. So yeah, I first heard Peter in uh, Voltron because he used to do the intro for it. Mm-hmm. And back then it was before, it was before TV was kind of like that, that bug lamp that the kids saw and just immediately went, Oh, and their brains turned off like i was still playing on the floor and that's kind of it was just playing in the background and as soon as that voice kicked on it was like voltron defender of the universe i was like turned around like whoa what was that and i <laughs> immediately knew it was like that i don't i don't know what that was but that's what i want to be when i grow up just i want to be that thing i heard and then when i heard him again as optimus prime and transformers i was immediately hooked in fact we didn't even know who he was back then they didn't credit the actors with the characters they just put Jeez. a big fat list of people who worked on the show and you had to figure it out until google came along years later and they were like for a long time uh, my brother and i thought jack angel was the voice of peter going or was the voice of optimus prime mm-hmm. and uh we uh we finally figured it out and around 2007 or 8 that's when they finally started putting some information about who voice actors were and what they what characters they did so you can find out who was what like nobody really knew they were like, I know that there five people worked on the show, but I don't know which one did what, you know, mm-hmm. there were no conventions where you could, you know, meet them and hang out with them and find out what they did and stuff back then. It was just, you know, you just had to kind of <laughs> figure it yeah. out. Um, what's your favorite kind of thing that you do? Like the voiceover work for shows, the commercials, the trailers, like what, what do you well, enjoy I mean, I- doing the most? I have two. I have two favorites. Obviously, I want to be in residual work, and that would be great to be in animation, which is a tough nut to crack because there's this elite Illuminati group of people that you know with the dark robes and the and the candles and the, and the satanic symbols and stuff, and you have to sacrifice a small goat and you have to you know give up your child soul to the devil. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but there is a, there's a very there's a very small group 
that I would consider like a voiceover elite, like that, that one group that gets everything like the Tara Strongs and the Kevin Michael Richardson's and, you know, mm-hmm. those John DiMaggio, those guys get everything and they're in every single cartoon somewhere, the Fred Tattashores. And it's like, those guys do do really well. And uh, that would be like the group that I would love to be in, but just to get some residual work being a, re- a recurring or a regular character on an animated series that was popular, even if it was, not a great paying show. The residuals will pay long term, and if it's a popular character, that would do really well for me on the convention circuit. Um, but so that would be like my ideal favorite type of job to do is just cre- create a character that's never had a voice before. I, I'm what the, you know the casting director chose to do the voice for it mm-hmm. over everybody else that tried out for it, and I, I came up with the voice because right now, you know, I'm not the Optimus Prime. I fill in for him sometimes, so mm-hmm. I didn't come up with that voice. I'm just sounding like somebody else that already did it so to create a character's voice that's never been created and become that character and it becomes an iconic character like spongebob mm-hmm. i mean tom kenny will retire off spongebob and his character oh, will yes. outlast him after tom kenny passes away spongebob will live on for eternity because it's so popular so to create one of those iconic characters because there's a lot of animated series out there but you know out of the tens of thousands that have existed since you know the 50s i guess there's only been a handful of characters that everybody, you know, everybody knows who Optimus Prime is. Everybody knows who Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck are. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's iconic characters, and then there's just animation. And to create an iconic character would be like a dream come true. But the other kind of favorite work that I have, because it pays the bills, is doing soundalikes for celebrities. Because it's a quick, easy job. It pays really well. And apparently I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> so when they throw me, uh, I don't know if you've seen the new trailer for 12 Strong. Yes with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that's me as Michael Shannon in there. Probably didn't even know. That's that's kind wow. of an underappreciated job that nobody even knows exists because they're not really listening for it. Mm-hmm. I have to be so good that they don't even notice that that, that voice has been replaced. That's crazy. And I filled in for some of the biggest celebrities in Hollywood, and it's just like really weird that people don't even know. Because <laughs> they're not supposed to know because yeah. I have to be that I have to be so good that they don't even know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a it's it's kind of like a little hidden easter egg in every trailer and I'm wondering if it, even if it's not me, I'm wondering. I'm like, I wonder who got that because that's definitely not that guy's boy. I'm like, like I'm listening for it now. Yeah. Listen <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely gonna listen out for it now. Because um, I mean, ADR is such a fascinating thing because a lot of people don't even think about ADR like as a thing. But then, well, even, when they do, yeah. when they think about ADR, they think about the loop groups. Mm-hmm. They think about that group of people who comes in and does the wall in the background, and mm-hmm. every once in a while has to fill in for an actor or whatever. They don't think about, you know, the the type that I do. It's not. It's not lips. Most of it's not lip synced. It's just it's just extra. They either have to change a line or they have to add a line or they have to censor a line because it's an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get a good example. They had to take uh, another word for boobs out of uh, the Wolf of Wall Street uh, trailer oh, okay. because of what Jonah Hill says in the movie. They couldn't put in a green band trailer, mm-hmm. so they had to get a sound like for him. I auditioned for it, but I think they got somebody else for it. Um, that they had to change uh, T-I-T-S to B-O-O-B-S mm-hmm. in, the, in the script because, the, you know, so and sometimes they'll have to make something make more sense that won't make sense out of context from the film in a trailer. Mm-hmm. So they have to change it because in the film, unless you see the whole thing, you're not going to understand it. Mm-hmm. So they have to change it a little bit and add a scene. That's why we've always, because as movie fans, like we've always wondered, why wasn't that scene from the elevator with Tom Cruise in there? Why wasn't that in the Mission Impossible movie? They do that all the time. They'll add a scene or they'll add a line or there'll be a, a whole there'll be a whole conversation that doesn't exist in the movie, and you'll wonder like where was that part from the trailer? Like we didn't even see that. <laughs> so sometimes the reason why they do that is because they make stuff specifically for the trailer that can more concisely and condensely explain the movie and get people interested in it. That's not going to be in the movie. It's it's a marketing gimmick that they use, mm-hmm. and understandably so. You can't. It's really hard to squeeze a two and a half hour movie into thirty seconds. Yeah. True. Um, do you have like any advice that you would give to somebody who wants to get into the voice acting space? So don't, <laughs> and if you still do, then don't ever quit and don't ever give up because it is a, it's a rough ride and it could either, it'll either make you or break you. Uh, you got to really, really love it. And it's not just, it's not just talking into a microphone. Mm-hmm. It, you have to be an, you have to be an exception, not even a good, you have to be an exceptional actor, uh, if I was an exceptional actor, I would already be booking animation by now. So mm-hmm. you have to be really good at your job. There's some things that I book a lot of, but I was t- uh, listening to a friend of mine, Dave Finoy, with also with my manager, 
you would know him mainly know him for uh, his character from the Telltale Walking Dead games as well as a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's also a promo trailer guy too. And uh, I made a joke in his little live stream on Facebook. I was like, how do I book every single audition? He's like, I know you're joking, but let's just face it. Nobody's going to book every single audition because nobody's right for every single role. And you have to remind yourself that as a voice actor because your job is mainly getting rejected 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people it's even more, higher than that. Some people it's 99% of the time. Jeez. So uh, I, consider, I consider myself extremely blessed to have been doing as well as I am because usually this time of year is dead for me. Like I'm not booking anything. I've done really well this month. So, I mean, I must be doing something right. But if I was an exceptional actor, I'd be booking even more than that. So to, to be very, very good at this job, you have to be exceptional. You have Mm -hmm. to blow everybody else out of the water. You have to think outside of the box and come up with things that nobody thought. Um, A good example is, uh, do you remember the, the goldfish from, from American dad? Uh, yeah, the original the original specs for him he was supposed to be um, French because they they wanted something that was the the mm-hmm. most un-American thing they could think of for this character and they're like what better character voice than to be French and Rob Paulson's the one that told me this story we did a coaching session together one time and uh, he's like I, I was in there reading for the fish for Klaus and D Bradley Baker sits down next to me he's like are you reading for the fish and he's like yeah he's like dude I don't know how to do a French accent. And Rob says, well, what can you do? He's like, I do a really funny German accent. He's like, do that. He went in there, completely ignored the specs, and just did his funny little German voice character that he did. And that's how he got the job, because they laughed so much at his character. They're like, this is perfect, dude. They, most of the time, they don't know what they're listening for until they hear it. Yeah. So you have to be you have to be able to think outside of the box and try and, and not be afraid. And so many people are so scared of what people are going to think. or they, they're not, What if they don't like me? What if they don't like you? Mm-hmm. Like my wife said, the worst they can do is say no. They're not going to put a gun to your head and shoot you. Mm-hmm. They're just probably going to find somebody else. So what's there to be afraid of? Mm-hmm. The, the worst thing that you can possibly be afraid of is the fact that they might pass you over for somebody else. And that's the majority of the business. Yeah. A lot of people get just... A lot of us get passed over for a lot of jobs. You don't see them, uh, you know, the, you don't see a, a dude being hired to do the voice of the Powerpuff Girls. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to be right for everything. Yeah. Um, we're right in the thick of Oscar season right now. That's actually a lot of what we've been talking about on the podcast recently. Uh, do you think that the Academy needs to find a way to acknowledge voice actors more? I, I don't think that a lot of them could even, uh, I don't think a lot of them could even do their jobs well. The movies wouldn't be as good if they if there weren't voiceover. Mm-hmm. Because without the ADR, without the looping, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but like ninety percent of Heat was re-recorded. It's not even it's not even really, wow. uh, um, yeah, it's not even their voices. They had to completely <laughs> like, oh, dump them over because the, apparently there was either there was either a pro. I have to look this. I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm I'm so old school that I don't Google every single thing to make sure I'm factually correct and like <laughs> use my poor memory instead. And somebody is like, "That's not exactly what actually happened, you loser." And I'm just like, uh, "Geez, I'm just going on memory here, so you can fact check me later." But I, right. I believe it was either there was wind or there was some kind of technical problem with the with the, with the sound. But they uh, they had to go back and like re-record a lot of that. Wow. And without, I mean, some of these guys that are winning Oscars, there's there's absolutely a hundred percent chance that their voice was replaced somewhere in the film that they got nominated for and the guy who filled in for them didn't nobody even knows he exists or she exists Mm -hmm. so so yeah uh i think they should have some kind of category for for voiceover especially when because there's a lot of movies that have characters that have voices that don't you know look at andy circus andy Mm -hmm. circus is not always on camera and I mean, he's he's one of the few that that Hollywood will recognize. Like, oh, he's in nature. he's a tremendous actor. I'm like, well, he's a voice actor. If you look at, it, if you're being honest, yeah. he's a voice actor because he's doing a motion capture shoot, which what voice actors do in video games and animation nowadays too, all the time. And they're they're creating the character for the voice and they're delivering a performance. And if you fall in love with Caesar and Planet of the Apes, it's because Andy Serkis did a good job of making you believe that that's really a, a talking monkey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they definitely should acknowledge it at in some at some point. But you know what? They should also acknowledge more minorities and more women and more sure. African Americans and more Hispanics. And yeah, I mean, for a long time, it's it's, it's going to stay a bunch of white guys for a while. <laughs> there. Uh, do you have anything else, Ozzy? Um, do I have anything else? <laughs> um, sorry. Um, what? Anything else? He hasn't said anything this whole time. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Uh, all right, like, what would you say is like the most anticipated movies of 2018? Like your personal favorite? Like, like what you're looking forward to? 
Uh, I think Deadpool 2. Deadpool? <laughs> Deadpool 2 is definitely going to be the one I'm looking forward to the most. But just underneath that is probably Black Panther. Like those two, I'm exceptionally excited. I can't wait for Black Panther. I can't wait for both of those movies. Those movies, those movies, those movies I, I want to see a trailer for Deadpool 2 already. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I just want to see how Josh Brolin kind of goes into the mix with um, with Ryan Reynolds. And just see like how those two work together. <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest. I was really, I was really pulling for Ron Roman instead of uh, instead of Josh Brolin because I'm like Brolin's already in Marvel. Yeah, guys. He's true. already Thanos. We don't need him in there twice <laughs> because now that Disney's got them both, how are they going to put Thanos and, and Cable in there together? <laughs> like, wow, you. And you're a really good-looking dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how any of that's going to uh, unless, unless Unless Cable dies in Deadpool. It's possible. That's a possibility. People die in Deadpool all the time. So. <laughs> in very violent ways. Yeah, I mean, we saw that the last time. <laughs> very violent. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I'll, be, I'll be honest. Like Ryan Reynolds is probably one of the coolest celebrities that has ever acknowledged me on the internet. He's, yeah. he's uh, tagged me on... Facebook, Twitter, and on uh, Instagram, whenever, I, because it was it was a total fluke. I don't think he even knew this was happening. I, I know he didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, I booked the uh, trailer for Hitman's Bodyguard, mm-hmm. and obviously he recognized the voice for it because he'd worked with on the trailers for the first Deadpool movie. Yeah, and they were already fans on Deadpool because that's what they borrowed for the opening credits. And so, it, like when he was pushing out the Hitman's Bodyguard trailer, he was hashtagging Epic Voice Guy on all of it. I was like, ah, he knows who that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And what he doesn't know, though, is that I've been filling in for him for Deadpool 2. <laughs> I'm going to be like, how about we How about we trade? You can be Epic Voice Guy. I'm sure my wife wouldn't mind being married to him. And I'll take all his same good looking money. I'll be fine with that. Uh, I think that's a pretty good trade off. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd agree to that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last, the last time I went to Fox Studios, I was filling in for TJ Miller. And I was like, because uh, it was Fox at the time, it was yeah. before the whole Disney buyout thing. And I was like, if you guys need anything else, you know, because I know he's in Deadpool too, uh, I, I'll, I'll be here for you. And I can also do some Ryan Reynolds for you too. And I just immediately like switch, and they were like, "Holy crap!" I was like, "I can do all the for your whole thing. Like, you don't even need these guys anymore. Just use me." Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Um, well, I used to work on. Uh, well, before it got canceled, I used to work on Man Seeking Woman. Yeah. And every time I had a session for him, I would go in there and I'd, I'd just like, "And if you guys need a replacement for Jay Barr, so I'm just." I mean, I'm not exactly skinny, but I, I think I can pull it off pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is so good. I was like, oh, don't, don't tell Jay. He might be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. Like, what would you say is, like, your like sure. your like your few favorite movies of 2017? Oh, Logan, absolutely. I already did a best of. I did a best of on, uh, on Stardust and on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I... I Broke it down by category. If you want to check it out, you can watch them. But yeah, Get Out's in there for best thriller. Um, it for best horror. Uh, my best, uh, my favorite super. It, Wonder Woman was seriously close. I really wanted it to be my favorite, but they finally did Wolverine right for once, mm-hmm. and that's why Logan was just so good. Um, but yeah, that that was probably one of my my favorites of the whole year was Logan. Awesome. Yeah, Logan was super good, especially like the last like so five good. minutes. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna cry. How many comic book movies? How many comic book movies have made you cry? That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I was just like, I'm not. I was just like, I'm not gonna cry. And then as soon as as soon as Hugh Jackman goes, so this is what it feels like. I was like, damn it. And then like a tear, a tear just came down. Yeah, man. Was oh, I was like the feels. I think I cried more of that than I did in Coco, man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like it was intense, man. It was intense. Oh, Logan was super good. Uh, one of the one of the movies that did not get a lot of credit that was one of my fa- was my favorite drama for the year was Wonder. That one actually made me cry more than Coco did too. See, I uh, really, we have a special needs kid. See, and, I yeah, really that was, liked it, Wonder. Such a good movie. Yeah, I really liked Wonder. Yeah, I, thought, really I think good. that they really made that movie super good, especially like when all these kids started sticking up for him and everything. I really right? enjoyed it. I was like, I want to show my sister. Yeah, that it's, movie. it's not. It, it, it's it's a nice it's nice to see a movie that's not you know a bunch of kids going at, you know fighting a monster or a killer clown yeah. or in the eighties <laughs> but they have a, a positive uplifting message about not judging people based on how they look or not treating people differently or standing up against bullies and yeah there's, there's a great message to that movie especially when you're when you have a, a special needs kid and you're treated different because of the way they act or the way if you have a kid with Down syndrome and they're treated different because of the way they look because people treat them like they're like they're contagious like mm-hmm. autism's gonna jump off of me and go on to yeah. you or 
so they don't want to be have anything to do with them. And it's it's making an impact because my both of two of my kids have two autistic friends or mentally disabled friends, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's really cool that they could be sick of it being around their brother all day long, and he can annoy the crap out of them. But the fact that they would they understand what it means to for these kids to be included. And he invited my my son invited especially his autistic friend to his sleepover last night because he had a delayed a delayed birthday sleepover that he was due. And I was like, he was he thought I'd be mad. He's like, I don't, I don't want you to be mad because now you have two autistic kids in the house. And I'm like, Tyler, I think that was a really cool of you, dude. That was like, that was like something a grown up probably wouldn't even do to invite a special needs kid that can really get on your nerves and get into all your stuff. And you invited him. He'd never been to a sleepover before. And I was like, trying not to. I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, yeah. This year, though, I hate that I hate that I didn't know any better. But if you haven't seen Greatest Showman, holy crap! I don't think I smiled that much in a movie in years. <laughs> that was a that really movie good is getting movie. a lot of buzz recently. Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it has. I mean, so I, good, I think it just has some of the best music so, yeah. this decade. Honestly, when it comes to well, yeah, but it, it's so motivational and like the dude just like would not give up and wouldn't quit against all the odds, and then he realizes what's really important all along at the end. And I was like, it, especially from my point of view because that's kind of a reflection of my own career and being in the entertainment business and going mm-hmm. from nothing. I mean, I was, I didn't have it quite as bad as he did growing up, but we weren't, we weren't rich. We were pretty poor too. Yeah. And, you know, went from getting hand-me-down clothes from my brothers to make living in Los Angeles for crying out loud with a family of four on one income. That's not, you know, well, family six, I'm four kids, but family <laughs> six on, sure. on one income in, in Los Angeles. I mean, that's, that's a, a huge gap between where I got started. So I totally uh, identified with the movie and I was like, man, anybody who who's feeling like quitting or giving up or having a hard time or feels invisible or underappreciated should watch this film. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, with like you have kids. So like, would you say that could your kids actually do some of your <laughs> impressions too? <laughs> Um, they try. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my Optimus Prime voice didn't always sound like Optimus Prime. When I was five, he sounded he sounded more like my name is Optimus Prime. <laughs> it went from there. So, you know, the puberty hasn't kicked in yet. So I'm pretty sure their they'll their voices will change and they'll be able to do better impressions. But you know, Tyler's a pretty dang good voice actor. He's actually been in a few honest trailers. Oh wow! As at playing my playing my actual son. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was in the Ninja Turtles one. He was in the Superman one. He's been in a couple other things. Uh, he's actually auditioned for my manager a few times. Sometimes they'll get auditions in for kids. And like, if you want your kids to submit, let us know. Um, so he auditioned for a Build-A-Bear spot. Um, I've had my kids be background voices for some of my my videos. But uh, the, the one thing I keep trying to, t- tell, to tell them is that they've got to get better at reading. They, have to be, they don't have to be just good actors. They need to be able to read copy yeah. without getting stuck. And all of them are, are not the, the slickest of readers. They read just fine, but they don't read smoothly where they can just like read it off a page and act it out. So mm-hmm. they're still getting to yeah. that point. But, you know, he's only 12 and you know, my youngest has just turned 10. Uh, my oldest wants to be an artist, which is kind of what I want. I wanted to be a storyboard artist if mm-hmm. I, or a comic book illustrator or something mm-hmm. before uh, I decided to get into voiceover. Because so I was like, either this, this there was like a Foley artist seemed like a fun job, a voice actor seemed like a fun job, and uh, and doing storyboard or drawing in some way seemed like a fun job. So I'm, I'm glad I got this one though. Because uh, but my daughter, she's really good at art, and uh, so I'm like, well. Art may not always pay the bills, but it's definitely something that you can do while you work your other job, and who knows? So, um, yeah. And with our autistic son, I'll just be glad if he has any job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my sister. Knowing I, him, he's probably going to end up as a game tester on Mario. Because <laughs> 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 no, my sister, uh, the reason why I ask is my sister. I do, I do like kind of like my own version of the movie, tr- of the of the epic voice. And, um, yeah, everybody does. I do, <laughs> and my sister. My they sister, think they do. I guess I should. I think I think I do a good job. I don't know <laughs> if I do. I've been told I do a good job, but um, my sister, she tries to do an interpretation of it. She's like, "Bro, just do the voice," and I'm just like, "Yeah," and I do it or whatever. And she 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 tries to mimic me. She just turned ten recently too. So she always tries. Yeah, to my wife does a really funny version of my voice too. She's just like the worst trailer voice ever, <laughs> but it's just it always makes me laugh because she's like, like it just sounds like some creature from Star Wars. Or yeah, my sister like, makes me laugh too. She's always. <laughs> it she's sounds always, like one of the. It sounds like one of the Skeksis, the, the Skeksis from yeah. uh, from Dark Crystal. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm I always try to I was I'm always just like this summer and then she just always my sister always goes like this summer and I'm just like stop. <laughs> the Valley Girl movie trailer. This summer. <laughs> so good. She's just like right She's like this summer. <laughs> The girls have that vocal fry, especially the ones out in California. They have that vocal fry. They don't even know what they're. They don't even. They're not even conscious that they're doing it. But they start off every sentence and they end up down here every single one. And they and I'm like, you're doing that. They're like, no, I'm not. Oh boy, do you do you pick out stuff like that a lot? Like, is it kind of you don't even think about yeah, it? You just I pick apart people's voices, especially especially with with sound alikes. Like, I've always had a really good ear to like. I could, I, I could pick out my wife hates this skill. She thinks it's annoying. She doesn't think it's a skill. But listening to a commercial, I don't even have to watch TV. I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's uh, you know, so and so. And she'd be like, why do you do that? I guess I didn't have to know that. Why do you always have to know like everybody? Uh, so yeah, just be, being able to pick out the parts of a voice that make it unique, where you can instantly recognize it without having to put a face on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I've always had an issue with like DreamWorks movies. But not, don't get me wrong, I would love to book a DreamWorks job, but <laughs> they primarily push for celebrity voice actors mm-hmm. that are known for on-camera work, and then they'll get somebody like Cameron Diaz, who just obviously sucks at it. <laughs> and uh, so. It, some of them are really. Some of them surprise me. They're really good at it, and some of them are just, just like, wow, why? It's just, and I know why because it makes sense from a promotional standpoint where they're going to go on talk shows and they're going to go on all these things, and they're well known for their. But the kids don't. Kids don't care, man. Kids yeah. just want funny characters that they can imitate themselves and sound like and play with on and when they're doing imaginary play and stuff. And most of them are like, Dad, who's that? I'm like, nobody you'd know. <laughs> like, they're nice. watch, they watch the last Ice Age movie, like, and they they actually put a picture up with each character in the credits, so you'd know who they were. And my kids are like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> like, bottom line, DreamWorks kids don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why that's why more kids are imitating the Gingerbread Man or the Three Little Pigs <laughs> yeah. in Shrek than they are the main characters. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you and kind of getting to know some about your backstory and all that. It's it was great to have you on, man. I fell into a vat of chemicals when I was a child and absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cool origin story. I'm sorry, it's not that. It's pretty cool to us. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I found it really cool. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Not that, no problem. All right, well, you just wrapped up our discussion with uh, John Bailey, Honest Trailer Voice Guy, and um, it was it was a great discussion. Yeah, great. man, super nice guy, super nice guy. Um, I found it really interesting, just like just learning about his backstory and just all the stuff that he does. <laughs> his origin story. Yeah. Uh, again, we should we should probably let him plug everything, uh, but we can do that right now. You can find him on Twitter at Epic Voice Guy, I believe, and then on Twitter, I believe it's Epic Voice Reviews, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so just look up those things. Ozzy will double check all that right now, um, but. And we'll plug it again at the end of the show, just to remind people. Yeah. And it'll also be in the description. So <laughs> we'll have all our bases covered. Um, but, yeah, so. All right. Well, I guess while Ozzy's looking all that up, I will start, start us off. We're going to talk a little bit about TV. TV's not fully back yet, but we're kind of getting into that mode. Yeah, Epic Voice Guy. Epic, Epic Voice, Voice Guy, guy. Yeah. on Twitter. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's his YouTube channel? Do you see that? He probably has a plug for it on his... Maybe not. Um, yeah, but check out his website. It's epicvoiceguy.com. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of in the mode of TV right now. Uh, we're warming back into it. We got This Is Us came back this week. Um, there's a few other things. that it, Blacklist has already been back. I'm super behind on Blacklist, so I'm not going to touch that yet. But um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came back this week as well. But we're mostly going to focus on This Is Us. Um, and I think it's very fitting considering the episode that we just wrapped. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> I love that episode. Which one of This Is Us? This Is Us. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk This Is Us, basically. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, This Is Us, it was a really good episode, and <sighs> Mandy Moore. 
Why hasn't she been nominated, man? I mean, she just... I mean, this is probably, like, my favorite moment from her. And this is probably, like, one of the realest moments that we've ever had from her in, in this show. And I just absolutely just love that outburst. By the way, spoilers if you have not seen This Is Us. Yes, we're going to talk full spoilers for This Is Us. But basically, you know, this episode really circled around Kevin. And I feel like this this, se- this season is probably going to circle around him and, and just, just his journey. But, um, I mean... We get him in rehab, and basically, I think it's been about a month. It's been over a month, I think, since since the dialogue that we got from Katie and Toby. Mm-hmm. From yeah, um, and and it, that you know, Randall's obviously clearly upset with him about his daughter, but it was just man, it felt like a short episode. Mm-hmm. It felt like probably twenty minutes. Just because of, like, how fast everything was going. What do you think? Um, this episode was great. <laughs> I love this episode. Um, it was just, like, it was a great uh, mid-season, or, you know, it's back out of the season premiere because uh, it basically reannounced like, hey, you know, we're still the best. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're still the best. There is so much emotion in this episode because, basically, and what this season has done really well has set up our our characters to where there's all this stuff that is apparent to everyone watching, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many issues that go back to, and the therapist touches on this, it goes back to when they were kids. Like, there are so many issues that are deep-rooted issues. And we've all known about this. We clearly, like, this is obvious to us. But the character, have all the characters come together and be in one place and finally deal with it and have everything that we've already known kind of come to the surface and explode... It's just, it's great writing. It's a great overall writing for this season. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right about Mandy Moore, by the way. She is great in this um, <laughs> in this uh, episode. And uh, really everyone is. I mean, Kurt Sterling K. Brown, who won the Golden Globe, and he's been, he's probably the most, um, been winning the most awards out of anybody on the show. And he kind of deserves it. I mean, he's been great this season, um, especially in this episode. Kind of, again, reminding everybody why he is great. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys because it's just... This <clears throat> I mean, I think another standout is Justin Hartley as Kevin Pearson. I mean, he just did a really good job, especially in the last scene with his mother, um, where they're talking and, and she's just like, you know, we, we've had moments and I feel him in, in my bones and he's like, you know, yeah, maybe we did. I hope we did. I thought that was, like, a really good scene with both of them really reconciling. Because, you know, we've never really had these characters really interact, if mm-hmm. you really think about it. And one of the things that I've noticed this particular season is that Kevin is probably the 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 strongest one. He's probably the strongest one. <clears throat> out of all of them, if I'm being honest with you, because he, you know, he really wasn't dealing with issues and everything in high school. He wasn't dealing with a lot compared to Kate or compared to Randall. So they were just, you know, um, so he was kind of just the one who was, I would say like he was kind of like the anchor of the family, if I yeah. had to say. But I mean, it didn't mean that doesn't mean that he didn't want to have a really good relationship with his parents, though. And I feel like he felt just like the like the fifth reel, and you clearly see it, especially in the scene where, you know, uh, his mom is reading a book with Randall, mm-hmm. and you know, his dad runs after Kate. I mean, and he's just there just yeah. to be sitting just in the middle of everything. I mean, and it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, and I guess see. And I love what they... There's a line in this sh- in this um, uh, episode by Sterling K. Brown that he says, um, where he's like, I didn't come here to minimize your perspective on our childhood, or something like that. It was, some, yeah. it was around that. And I think that is so huge with... And that's, like, the main theme of this episode in particular. Obviously, this is a kind of Kevin-centric episode, but at the same time, it highlights the fact that each of these kids had a different view of their childhood and a different, like, reason to be resentful in a way and a different reason to think that they were being underappreciated or that they had a rough time. Each of them felt that way. And that's kind of just... That's part of growing up, honestly. And I think... 
it's weird, and but it's also impressive what the show does because everyone attaches to a different character in this show. And everyone kind of empathizes most with a different character in this show. For me, I think we argued about this earlier this season a little bit. I seem to empathize most with Kevin. I was... Everything he was saying and the therapist was saying in this episode, I feel like that's exactly what I was saying earlier. Like... Like, um, Randall would be, like, with the mom, or they would be trying to make sure that he wasn't, like, feeling like an outsider. And then the dad would be focused on Kate, and then there's nobody left for Kevin. Like, these are are discussions we've been having. And I think this episode did a good job of being like, yeah, that's true. Like, Kevin, he did have a rough time at times. But at the same time... He's also ignoring the fact that Randall needed that. And Randall did have a rough time as well. And, you know, there's going to be some people who go, no, Randall had the worst time. No, Kate had the worst time. And it's like, that's just great writing where every character is able to be empathized with. Every You can sympathize with every single one of them. It's it's great. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's also... It just shows you how hard it is just to be... And I, I emphasize this with Captain Fantastic, but mm. it just shows you how hard it is... How hard it is to be a parent because... Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, we'll, we'll look at, like... Um, I, we'll look at Jack and we'll look at Rebecca and we'll be like, these parents are, like, golden standard <laughs> for being parents. Like, like, these are, like, the golden standard. Like, these are great, amazing parents. No, they aren't. But the dialogue <laughs> that she has with 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 Kevin at the end, she was just like, I don't like like her childhood wasn't as good as I thought it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because she feels like she failed. But it's not even and it's, that. And it and yeah. it and, it, and it's, it's just she feels she like put she in failed. an impossible position. Yeah, and she feels like she failed because she wasn't there for him. And it's and it's just so heartbreaking that both of them really don't remember them having any moments together. Yeah. And that was... I thought that was a little bit of a weird situation, just because... Or especially a weird line at the end by her, where she's like, I'm sure we did. And it's like, why would you even, like... If you're going to say anything, like, come up with something. Like, come up with something that maybe, like, he doesn't remember and you do, or even just make something up that he doesn't remember and you do. I don't know. It was a weird line for her to be like... I'm sure we did. I just can't think of one. No, like, that was weird to me. But that was, like, it was a great episode overall, so whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't love think it show. was a weird line. I mean, she's dealt with so much. Oh, yeah, I know. And, I mean, I, she's, I get had, she's had, like, so much, so many things happen to her. I mean, and she's had, she's had yeah. a lot of significant memories. I mean, the, yeah, I get it. Um, there's also one thing that I kind of love that they didn't paint Kevin like that he was perfect in this situation. Like, they don't... And that was one thing I was worried about, and I think that's one thing that a lot of the characters in the show were worried about, was that they're gonna make it look like, oh, Kevin was this innocent little thing and nobody watched after him, and he was... He didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, no, they deal with the fact that Kevin has screwed up. And they also deal with the issue of addiction in an interesting way. I appreciated that as well. But then also in the flashbacks with the with the younger version of Kevin, they do something extremely fascinating where they don't point it out, but they definitely do kind of empathize, em- emphasize it a little bit, where she tells Kevin specifically, don't make fun of Randall for his, his glasses, right? Mm-hmm. And then when... The, when um, Jack runs after Kate and the mom and Manny Moore is sitting there with Randall right and he feels like nobody's with me like this isn't fair what does he do he throws the football at Randall and and calls him four eyes so a lot of the times the reason that he was acting out was because he wasn't getting the attention and but they also like that's not a good way of dealing with that if you're not getting attention the way to deal with that is not let me do something that I was specifically told not to do that's not the right way to deal with that so it doesn't ignore that fact but it's just I, I love that that moment it's a small moment that doesn't get kind of pointed out like they don't specifically address that but I thought it was very cool because you know the reason he acted out a lot was because he just wanted attention 
Yeah, <clears throat> and it's, that's a moment that I actually noticed when he was like, "Yo, four eyes," and mm-hmm. through the because nobody was buying through the through the football yeah. at him. Mom was with Randall, and Jack was off with Kate, and it's like and there's just, it's almost like they needed a third parent. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and I also love that the the moment that the big yeah. three have at the end as well. That was yeah, that it's was, really good. Really good, and you can see that you can see Randall's failure as well. Oh yeah, comes to exactly. Being a, a brother, mm-hmm. um, and I just I love his I love his um, I love how he kind of goes to Kevin. He's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you were there for me last year, and I failed you. Mm-hmm. So I, I do I do like the fact that he acknowledges that. I want to see what I want to see happen, or 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 kind of go moving forward I want to see how Kevin's relationship with his with Randall's wife moves forward I mean that's, that's going to be interesting because she doesn't <laughs> she's not happy she's not happy understandably so I mean understandably so but even then I mean I mean Kevin Kevin didn't know that she I know, was in but the car you still like you can get why she's mad um, no I can get why she's mad and Randall's Randall was pretty pissed oh, off yeah, too oh yeah definitely and you, you could and you could tell that Randall was holding mm-hmm. back his tongue the whole entire time yeah. and that speech he gave in the session I was like Randall I knew you were holding back your tongue man relax <laughs> pipe down but um yeah yeah I mean it was it was definitely and I like that side story too with all the side characters or is him just drinking at the bar yeah, yeah. that's really fun too. yeah because um and I really liked Miguel this episode too I don't like Miguel, yeah, but I liked Miguel this episode. He addressed Miguel, the elephant in the room. Yes, he addressed <laughs> the elephant in the room. He's just like, I made my best friend's wife, and then I was like, damn, I was like, okay, we're right. gonna go right there. Uh, I guess we're gonna go right there, buddy boy. Oh, and then I also like the fact that, like, Toby and and um, I forgot I forgot Randall's wife's name, mm-hmm. um, but I love I love the fact that she that had, like Toby and her were like. Making fun of Jack in a, in a sense, in a way, mm-hmm. like Beth. Beth is her name. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they were kind of teasing, and then Miguel was like, "All right, stop. You're, you're getting into my no-fly zone." And I was like, yeah. "Damn." So you could still, you could still tell, like you could still, you can still like, um, you can still like sense that Jack is still heavily influenced and you could definitely tell that Jack was very influenced in this in this episode in the present day mm-hmm. so I really found that very interesting um I found that very interesting and I can't wait for next episode for the for next week's episode because um in the preview you know Ke- Kevin confronts Miguel he goes yeah. are you still in love with my like were, were, were you in love with my mom when my dad was alive so I can't wait for next week's episode. Yeah. Tuesday's definitely. episode. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I watched from this week in particular was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you haven't watched that yet, so we won't get into that. Um, yeah. I'm finally catching up <clears throat> on Black Mirror. I watched okay. the first episode of that. I'm catching up on The Crown. Um, Black Mirror is really good. It's probably going to be my recommendation. Black Mirror all mm-hmm. the way. It's a sci-fi anthology show. Um, you can start anywhere, basically. And I wouldn't recommend like the very first episode just because it's weird. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it just th- it threw me off the first day that like the first time I ever saw. It, I was like, this is freaking weird. But um, Dennis has been giving me high praises about it. Jakia has been giving me high praises about it. I finally saw the first episode. I thought the first episode was super was well done. Super well done. Um, it, like I said, I mean, it's it's sci-fi. It's a sci-fi anthology show. You can start anywhere. Um, super good. So definitely uh, catch up with that as soon as you can. We're probably going to review it um, as soon as possible. Or at least I am. Mm-hmm. I'll probably have Dennis on as a guest maybe. Um, I, we, I also just finished... I also just finished um, Marvel's Runways. The finale was, I think, I believe it was four days ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we'll have, we have a, we'll review that on the Tuesday episode. Probably. Yeah, if we can get Jesse on. Um, if he's already watched it, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't asked him. <laughs> haven't talked to him yet. Um, um, right. But yeah, I mean, Marvel's Runways, we'll get into it. Really good One show. One way or another, yeah. We'll get into it. Really good show. 
relationships really bad. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about <laughs> All right. It. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take Black Mirror as your recommendation. Um, recommendation. Jeez. Uh, my recommendation is The Crown. I, well, it should be The Crown. It could be The Crown. <laughs> I'll wait until I finish it to officially rec- or recommend The Crown, although a great show. You should watch it. Uh, <laughs> unofficial <laughs> recommendation. Uh, my recommendation is going to actually be uh, the website slash app Letterboxd. Just because I've been using that more and more, and it's just, it's really great. It really is. It's a great community for people who love movies. It's a great way to talk about movies. Uh, The one thing that I've been uh, slightly annoyed by with it uh, is just that I wish they would be, they would just add push notifications to the app on your phone, because... I was, like, looking, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Jared, Jared Wood, who's been on the podcast before uh, a couple times, he was, he's part of Tasty Time, who we had a rival with, rivalry with last year, if you don't remember. Um, but anyway, uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times before. He was, like, commenting on, like, a bunch of my reviews, and I was just, like, not seeing any of it, and now I'm seeing it. I'm, now I've been texting him, responding to a lot of his stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, so, it, again, I highly recommend it. It's a great way to kind of... Get your thoughts out on a movie um, out there, and then kind of be able to see other people. So it's it's a really easy way to just interact with other people who love movies. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, one thing, house housekeeping thing before we do sign out and um, give up social media and everything. Uh, New Mutants got pushed to February of 2019, so it can't be on my <laughs> most anticipated list anymore. So I'm going to bump up 2019. This is 2018, right? I got why did it get pushed so back? I don't know. It, it, well, Deadpool moved up. Deadpool was in May, I think, and now it's in April. It, it moved up a month. Deadpool moved. Fox rearranged like their entire schedule. Um, I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it might have something to do with this, the Disney thing, but then again, it doesn't quite make any sense because the New Mutants. Why would New Mutants get pushed back? They might just not be ready with New Mutants. What about Dark Phoenix? Is that coming coming out this year? Yes, I think it's still coming out this year. I think it might have moved slightly, but I don't think it moved a lot. I can't remember. All I know is New Mutants can't be on my most anticipated list for this year anymore because it got pushed to next year. So I'm going to put Incredibles 2 as my number 10 on most anticipated and everything that was behind New Mutants is now bumped up. So, okay. housekeeping, just wanted to throw that out there since New Mutants can't uh, technically be most anticipated of 2018 anymore. So I'm honestly annoyed because we have a trailer for New Mutants, but we don't have a trailer I know, for it's really weird. 2 or Dark Phoenix, <laughs> which really is coming weird. out this year, yeah. so what the hell? I don't know what's going on. I, I've got to look into that a little bit more, but yeah. Uh, yes, and I did double check. It is Epic Voice Guy on Twitter and on YouTube. So you can, and his website is epicvoiceguy.com. So check all of that out. Go support John Bailey. Tweet at him. Tell him you enjoyed his time on the Screenfellows podcast. So check that out. Um, yeah, it's it was great having him on. So that this is definitely yeah, awesome for us. So great. It's great to have. Like he was, he was like a first big name i'm gonna call him a celebrity celebrity yeah on um is that i would put jason hinman like close to it's they're up there i really do yeah we've had some pretty cool guests on this podcast we have and and hopefully many more cool guests. yeah i mean this is 2018 has been a really good start for us so far i think the first guest this year has been john bailey which is screen junkies (laughs) on this trailer which is great yeah and then the the i'm not happy about the results Arrow guys. Oh, the God. poll. You're talking about the poll. <laughs> but I mean, we had 917 um, yeah. votes, I believe. 917, 916. Yeah. So it's around that number. But I mean, we had a bunch of retweets. So this year is off to a great start when it comes to being a part of the Screen Fellows community. So <laughs> definitely check us out. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. Check out Twitter. Carlos tweets a lot there. I don't <laughs> know, man. I think I'm thinking about getting on this, uh, this Twitter feed. He really should. <laughs> you know, yeah, Ozzy's uh, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should check out this whole Twitter situation. Maybe I should oh, uh, my gosh. put myself back on uh, Twitter. You know, I, I, you know, the funny thing about Twitter is I used Twitter at a very sad time in my life. So, like, it's just what? like, nah, I'm not sad anymore. You know, I'm great. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to just do our social media and move along. I am at Cherry456 on Twitter and you can, uh, and Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you follow us all over social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, YouTube. It's all at ScreenFellows and the website as well, ScreenFellows.com. And again, make sure you go and check out all of John Bailey's stuff. It's at YouTube, John at, or it's John Bailey on YouTube, or no, it's Epic Voice Guy on YouTube. Yeah. Jeez, excuse me. Epic Voice Guy on YouTube, Epic Voice Guy on Twitter. So again, go tweet at him, tell him you loved him on this podcast, and go watch all of his stuff because, as you can tell from his stint on our episode, it is great. He is great. So Heck yeah. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CastroOzzy. Also, if you guys want to at me at any, uh, you know, recommendations, <laughs> I'm just messing. But if you guys want to just give me any TV recommendations, any movie recommendations, such as classics or anything like that, or any topics that you guys want Carlos and I to debate, please feel free to email me at ozzy.castro at screenfuls.com. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on the website. Guys, this is Screen Fellas. Peace.